Hi, my name is Joel Knox. I'm the senior pastor at the Vineyard Church of Brenham in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad you're interested in our podcast. This media is completely free to you, so you can share it with anyone else however you'd like. Our church is located at 1401 South Bluebell Road in Brenham at the corner of Tom Green Street next to the Bluebell Creamery and across from the Bluebell Aquatic Center. You can also find us on the web at vineyardbrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. So, how many of you have a phobia that you would admit to? <laughs> Quite a few of you. I, 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 have, I have two that I know of that I, I'll, I'll be willing to share right now. <laughs> The first one is I, I'm I'm terrified of heights, oh, yeah. and and then to be honest, if I if if I was on a, a step ladder that's about this tall, that would be too high. So, it's it and maybe it's a fear of falling. I'm not sure, but it it, it there it all goes together. The second thing is I am terrified, <laughs> terrified, and I didn't realize this until I was an adult, <laughs> oh, no. of clowns. And a very dear friend of ours that we used to go to church with in Conroe showed up to a carnival dressed as a clown. And I'd, I'd heard that he had dressed up as a clown, you know, in the past. But he showed up at the, at the festival, and I, I, I nearly lost my mind. And, and, I, and I realized it was him, but it was just something about the paint, something about the outfit that just scared me to death. Anybody... Care to share like what some of your phobias might be? Snakes. Snakes? Well, that, that's a good one. I, I I think that's a good one to be afraid of. <laughs> who, who, bats. bats? I I could I could see that. Claustrophobia. Claustrophobia? Rachel? Spiders. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You two have something in common. Public speaking. Public speaking. <laughs> well, and and did you know that the fear of Public speaking is one of the highest fears all across our country, maybe even all across the world. There's just something terrifying about being in front of people. And, you know, it, it, I, I have to admit that sometimes it, it, you know, depending on the day, you know, and I have to make sure that I check my zipper and, and all that stuff before I get started. Because, you know, I mean, you don't want to certainly don't want something like that going on while you're speaking. Well, anyway, I, I better move on and... and, and and redirect. Well, um, I'm, I'm curious. We, we've been doing this for a while, and I know that this last week has been rather challenging, but I was wondering if anyone might have a testimony of, of some, maybe something that, that God did, did in your life, maybe a risk that you took. Hopefully it didn't have anything to do with not washing your hands. But um, would anybody like to share something that, that took place this last week that you'd like to thank God for? Yes, ma'am. Oh, Kenny's coming. Kenny's coming. I wanted to give thanks to God that my son saw his dad at Fort Ringo for two hours, and I did not get a phone call that it was a bad visit. I just have to watch when I show up and leave. So he, he, he was in one piece. I don't think he was fed or his diaper was changed, but 
he was safe. Well, that's good. Yeah, so that's I good. was very worried about that, and I'm, yeah. I'm grateful it was a good visit. So well, thank, thank praise God. God. Praise God. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah, it's okay to clap. Anybody else? Okay, golf clap. All right, well, um, well, as, as I think we've all, I mean, we've, we've talked about this quite a bit. Um, it's been, this last week was, was quite a week. And, and quite honestly, it was all bad news. I mean, it just seemed like it just cascaded as the week went on. You know, and of course, there's, it's all about the coronavirus or COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. And it seems like everybody is saying, this is going to kill us. And every time you hear a, a, you know, some specialist, he's talking about it or she's talking about it, and it just gets worse and worse. And, um, I saw a, a, a person on, uh, testifying on Capitol Hill. He was some kind of physician and uh, a specialist in infectious diseases. And he was talking about this virus, and he said it was one of the worst he had ever seen. Well, thank you. We're, that's great. And then the World Health Organization called the outbreak a pandemic, which by definition means it could infect the entire world. And if you go out and, and you can look for uh, an infection map, there, this one particular one I looked at, virtually every continent in the world, with the exception of Antarctica, has some form of infection. And if you followed the outbreak since the first, it was first reported in January, it has spread almost as quickly as the baby shark video. You know, the term viral? Yeah, it's called that for a reason. I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of like 5 million views at one point. And then now it's like into the billions, if I'm not mistaken now. Well, the fear associated with the virus has affected everything in our culture. And as a result, the global economy has taken a terrible hit. And our local economy has been feeling the pain. I, I'm sure you saw that there have been several closures. The, the Bluebell tours have been shut down, and, and then the library, and, and the aquatic center, and, and all the, the city facilities that, that have public access have been closed. In addition, and this affected a few of us, the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo closed on Wednesday. And then... U.S. colleges and universities canceled all athletic events, moved entire course schedules to online courses, and sent their students home. A high school classmate of mine has a son who's a senior at MIT in, in Massachusetts. I mean, that's pretty prestigious. He plays on the baseball team. Well, he was informed in the middle of the week that their season was over. And this young man's played baseball since he was four years old. And... He didn't realize the last game that he played was it. And as far as I, as I know, he's, he's on his way back from Massachusetts and, and should be arriving in, in Austin sometime later today. But there's thousands of student athletes and, and, and possibly millions of students across the country who've been affected just like he has. The UIL, the Interscholastic League for, for Texas, canceled state basketball playoffs and postponed other statewide events as a precaution. Public schools are weighing whether to close their doors 
And most Texas schools are observing a second week of spring break to prevent having to cancel classes. The NCAA canceled March Madness, the basketball tournament, which is, it's, it's spread about all over. Like there's four regions that are involved in the playoffs, and it's a major moneymaker for the schools that are, that are involved and in, in for the NCAA, and it was all shut down. Professional sports teams have canceled or postponed pre- or post-seasons, and the latest as of Friday, was that the Masters PGA Golf Tournament was canceled. And some of the, the pro golfers are saying that they don't expect that it will even get played anytime later this year. Travel bans are in effect. Other international travel bans are probably on, on the horizon. And there have been so many aspects of life that have been affected by this outbreak, it's, it's really hard to keep up. Earlier this week, I saw a Facebook post in a group that I follow where the question was asked, who are, how many of us are planning on meeting this weekend in terms of churches? And who isn't? Churches in larger cities were canceling services based on government recommendations of not gathering, and as I mentioned this before, in groups larger than 250 people. Churches in more rural areas like us were still meeting for the most part, just this week, Vineyard USA canceled two pretty large um, events. One of them was the first worship gathering that the, the Vineyard has had in, in over 20 years called Sing Together in Nashville. They were already affected by the, the, the tornado that came through. Fortunately for the church, it, it missed their, their block that, that, that they meet on. And uh, so they were, they were glad that they, at, at least at that time, that they were going to continue on with, with the conference. And then they decided that they would cancel earlier this week. Yeah, Shauna was, was, was planning to go for that. And, and so, um, and then there's a, a, another thing called the Society of Vineyard Scholars that gathers every year. They canceled their gathering, which is, is in Minneapolis. And with all these things happening around us, it's hard not to be afraid. We haven't seen anything like this in our lifetime. Now, there have been other outbreaks. Some of you might remember the swine flu, SARS. And while it didn't affect us here in the United States, Ebola affected nearly the entire continent of Africa just a few years ago. But somehow these diseases were kept at bay and they were prevented from spreading across the entire globe. Now, according to the latest reports, effectively every continent, with the exception of Antarctica, has been affected with the, the virus. With the virus. They have been, there have been 156,116 confirmed cases worldwide with a total of 5,829 deaths that have been reported. And I mentioned that Panama had, had their first reported death earlier this week. 73,955 have recovered from their exposure or their infection, but that's really considered to be a secondary statistic because they, it's, it's, it, there's just a lot more 
attention whenever you start talking about people dying. You know, that's, that's, that's how, how the media works. Here at home, we've heard the news reports, outrageous predictions of doom and gloom. People responded in turn by panic buying and hoarding nearly everything from hand sanitizer to facial masks, latex gloves to toilet paper and canned goods. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. And we've seen the memes on social media. And it's one thing to say, well, it's on television. It's one thing to see it online. And it's another thing when you see it right here in your hometown. Danelle heard from a friend over the weekend that her husband is a police officer. And he was called to Walmart to, to separate a couple of folks who were fighting over some, some things that were in short supply. Right here in Brenham. And I heard from another person who said that they saw people from their church taking three and four carts full of supplies out the front door of HEB, loading them into their car. Toilet paper, paper towels. Yeah. Nobody's panicking. Well, possibly the funniest thing that I saw this week was a post from a friend on Facebook. He said, maybe you should stop screaming rapture and start sharing toilet paper with people in need. I, I thought that was a pretty good idea. So as your pastor and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I just have to ask, how should disciples of Jesus respond to this crisis? Is there anything that we can say or that we can do in response to what's happening in the world around us? Now, there's a lot of scripture in the Bible, and it's dedicated to addressing the issue of fear in a person's life. And many of those commandments come from Jesus in his time here on earth. So in keeping with our theme for the season of Lent, I'd like to talk to you just for a few minutes about fear or faith. Engaging risk, fear of faith. Now, when our son was little, Chris, I think some of you have had an opportunity to meet him. We had a book that we read to him quite often before he went to bed. And it focused on a passage from the 27th Psalm. Maybe you are familiar with this verse. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold or the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now for quite a while, and, and we started reading to him really early on, and uh, he insisted that we read that book to him so he could go to sleep at night. He felt like unless we read the book, he couldn't go to sleep. And he understood the comfort of knowing that God is our light and our salvation. And he protects us even when we are asleep. Consequently, if we believe that God protects us, then we have no reason to be afraid, right? Well, in the same vein, Jesus told his disciples a parable about a rich man who died while making plans of expanding his wealth. Maybe you're familiar with that. It was, it's in the, the book of Luke. 
The man said to himself, you know, he was a rich man, and so he decided, I'm going to, to show my wealth and show my prestige and power, and I'm going to build larger barns. I'm going to build a bigger house. I'm going to expand my farm. I'm going to expand my estate. And Jesus said that, that night, the Lord came to him and said, you're, you're coming to meet me. And so in response to telling this story, Jesus taught his disciples. And I want to pick up in, in Luke chapter 12, verse 22, where Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than the birds. And who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not let, set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The late Lloyd John Ogilvy, pastor of the First Presbyterian Church of, of Hollywood, California, and a chaplain of the United States Senate, once said that fear not is the most repeated command in the Bible. In fact, it is mentioned 366 times one for each day of the year, and for leap year. Now, while I was reading in preparation for this message today, I stumbled across an article that appeared in the Huffington Post in 2016. And it was written in response to, to Ogilvy's claim about fear not being in the Bible 366 times. And it's titled, and I have to edit the Bible says, fear not, but I'm scared sometimes. Are you? And I want to read to you from this article. The writer says, I haven't counted for myself, but I've heard that fear not is in the Bible 366 times. They teach, preach, and beseech us not to be afraid. But frankly, I'm scared sometimes. I fear clowns, criticism, crashing my bike, and car wrecks, 
bridges, bears, big buildings, and bull riding, snakes, shark attacks, screwing up, and something, and smothering. That was funny. Judgment, jack-in-the-boxes, jerky people, and jet planes, just to name a few. Before 8 a.m. this morning, I was feeling overwhelmed, which is a fancy word for fear. Saying I'm overwhelmed makes me sound busy and sophisticated when what I really want to do is crawl under the covers and hide. Instead, I sat down with a pen and paper to see why. After all, there were no snakes or sharks to escape. But what I did find was a pile of sneaky lies slithering around in the shadows of my thoughts, hissing and making me feel small, helpless, and alone. So I wrote them down. They probably aren't much different than your lies and the good old standbys. Stuff like, your work isn't good enough. He or she is smarter than you are. Or they're more productive. Or they're just better. Just fill in the blank. You suck. You're stupid. I mean, the self-talk that we, that we feed ourselves. I know they aren't true, but they still spew and fill me up with poison sometimes, and then suddenly I'm very afraid. So this morning I prayed, Jesus, I'm afraid. Apparently there's a fear not for each day of the year, but I need one for each minute, please. And since I'm a big scaredy cat, could you please teach me about fear so I don't feel so dumpy? And this is what I heard. Fear is a cause to pause. An invitation to stop and seek my way forward. Now that article continues on. And if you'd like for me to send it to you, I'd be glad to do it. But it captures what I think we all deal with on a daily basis. Not just because this virus has has raised its ugly head. But these are the things that we deal with in going to work, taking care of our families, in going to school, in anything that, we, that we're involved in, that we deal with fear. And I mentioned all the things that took place over this last week, and I, I just have to ask because... I was convicted at the same time. Whenever we started experiencing that feeling of maybe being overwhelmed or that we started feeling fear, how many of us stopped like this lady and asked, Lord, what do you want to say to me? God, can you help me in the midst of what I'm feeling? Now, if you're like us at our house, we had the TV on just about all day long. Or when we got in the car, or I got in the car, I'm listening to the radio. So you can hear all the updates about how the virus is spreading all around the world. 
Isn't it comforting to know that it's just spreading whether, whether we do anything about it or not? Wall-to-wall doom and gloom. And we wonder why we're afraid. Jesus told his disciples not to worry because it's a waste of time and energy. But it's also another form of fear. You know, when you think about fear, how many times have we made decisions that were based on fear? And if we were not afraid in those circumstances, how different our decisions might be. Our minds are um, capable of some amazing things. But we have to be careful because sometimes they end up working against us. How many times have you been by yourself and you heard something Maybe it was in the back part of the house. You know, and, you, and of course, you know you're at home alone. And maybe, you know, in our case, our cats are upstairs. And so something's happening downstairs. What could that be? And all of a sudden, our mind starts racing. And then as our mind starts racing, our heart rate goes up. We might even start perspiring a little bit. You know, and then we, we, we start... We feel the adrenaline rush because we're afraid. And then that, that fight or flight instinct starts kicking in. And the fact is, nothing has even happened yet. Jesus told the disciples not to be concerned about what they would eat or drink. Now, if you're, if you're like me, from the time I was, I was a, a, a small kid, and I, I don't know that I really was ever small, but I was always concerned about food. I would eat breakfast in the morning, and then I wanted to know when, when we'd have lunch. Then when we had lunch, I wanted to know when we were going to have dinner. And then when I had dinner that night, I wanted to know what was for, going to be for breakfast the next morning. That, that was how things worked for me. And then when, whenever I was, was in sports, our coaches told us that you need to sneak in a couple of extra meals because, you know, you're, you're burning a lot more energy out here on the, on the football field or on the baseball field. So you need to eat that much more. So I, I was always concerned about food. And Jesus says that this is the thing that the pagan world runs runs after. They're concerned about food. They're concerned about the, their material possessions. They're concerned about supplies. They're concerned, you know, is the grocery store going to have enough for me to be quarantined for two weeks? Will I be able to get what I need for me and mine? Who cares about everybody else? Jesus said, this is what the pagan world Seeks after. And by saying pagan, all he's talking about is people that don't have a relationship with God. It's not a con condemnation of people in general. It's just the fact that they don't have a relationship with God. Those who have a relationship with God should then have a different motivation, should have a different way of looking at their needs and their supplies and things being met. And by contrast, those who belong to God discover that He provides for all of our needs because He loves us. And He goes on to say that if we pursue the kingdom, the kingdom of God, this is what we talk about quite often in the, in the vineyard. If we pursue the kingdom of God, He will give us His kingdom 
and everything else that we need along the way. He says that he knows that we have need of these things. He knows that we have need for shelter. He knows that we have need for transportation. He knows that we have need of clothing. He knows that we need to be able to eat and, and to supply for the needs of our family. And Jesus says if we seek his kingdom, God will make sure that his people have everything that they need. And then he asks the question, or he, or he makes the statement, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where do you put your treasure? What is it that, that we value most? If we put our stock in the kingdom of God, that's where our heart will be. And then we're always looking to God as the, as the supplier, as, as the author and the finisher, as Paul says, of our faith. So put our stock, we need to put our stock in the kingdom of God. Well, in an article called Living in the Atomic Age, this has made the circulation over the past few days. It's an article by the, the writer and theologian C.S. Lewis. <clears throat> and he was writing about the hysteria surrounding the bomb. Remember? It, some of you probably remember uh, the, uh, what was it? Uh, like the, it, was, it was practice, right? Like you had to get under the desks and, and stuff. It, did did y'all do that? They were, we weren't doing that anymore, but they talked about it whenever I was in grade school. So, you know, and, and of course there was a time then that we were concerned that the Russians were going to bomb us and, and all this kind of stuff. Well, anyway, Lewis wrote this article 72 years ago, in 1948, after the, the unveiling of the bomb that virtually ended World War II. And in this article, we could substitute the words atomic bomb for coronavirus or any other kind of plague that might, might come up upon the earth. And I want to read what he writes. I want you to listen to what he says. And just keep that in mind. Every time you hear atomic bomb, think in terms of, of coronavirus. In one way, we think a great deal too much about the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night. Or indeed, as you were already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, and an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, and an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was ever invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had, indeed, one very great advantage over our ancestors, 
and aesthetics. But we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made. And the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. That stiff upper lip. If we were all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts. Not huddled together like frightened sheep thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies and a microbe such as the coronavirus can do that. But they need not dominate our minds. One of the best known passages of Scripture in the Bible is the 23rd Psalm. And I think we all could probably quote it. But verse 4 says, I think it's at least my favorite portion of the, the passage. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I don't know about you, but I've been in some pretty dark valleys at times. And I knew without a doubt who was with me. Now there's a lot to be said and, and a lot to be afraid of in times like these. But as people of God, we're called to demonstrate our faith in the face of fear. God is with us. So we do not need to be afraid. Todd Hunter, the former national director of Vineyard USA and bishop in the Anglican Church of North America, at a pastor's conference a couple of years ago, said this, Those who believe in Jesus have nothing to fear because we are all always safe in the kingdom of God. I think there are many of us who need to be reminded today that God will take care of us. And so I want to take some time this morning to make sure we, we minister to each other before we go. So I'm, I want to invite the Holy Spirit to come. We're just going to wait for a few minutes. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God.
does anyone have something you feel like maybe the Lord showed you that you'd like to share as we're doing ministry here in the, in the next few minutes? Diane? thinking that they they say that this virus doesn't like light and so just that the sun Jesus Christ his light would shine on this whole situation in this virus and I think it's really an opportunity for us to do whatever the Holy Spirit tells us to do to call a neighbor and say I'm going to the grocery store what can I get you blah 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 how God can use it for us to be light and salt in a dark time and yeah. it would reflect the Lord. Yeah. Thank you. Dave. One of my one of my one of my few beliefs is one of Satan's most powerful tools is fear. And if he can get us to fear anything, he's just nipping away at our faith. And I have a lot of fears I try and overcome, but at my age, I'm getting too tired to try anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, you know, I'm like you have a fear of heights, but sometimes I just got to get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody else that you feel like have something you'd like to share? Terry. As we were sitting in silence, I had um, this thing of, like a child, how they trust in their parent, and that's what we are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. We trust in our father. Yeah. And we have to remember that during these kind of times, and that's what helps with the fear. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Anyone else? Well, here's what I want to do. I, I don't want anyone to feel like you, that you're singled out. And, you know, if you, if you would like prayer, then, you know, because you're afraid. But I, I, want, us, I want us to, and, and of course, we're, 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 I, I started to say, well, we can break up in groups, but we're not really supposed <laughs> to do that. So we're, we're going to be creative. And so I, I want to, um, I want us to, because, and, and Diane mentioned too, that, that our, our president asked for us to make today a day of prayer. And I, I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't pray for, for our country, for our, our state, for, for all, all of the, our state and local and, and all, all the, the issues with government. And with businesses, because there, there are businesses that are going to really start feeling some pain if, if things don't change quickly. So wh- here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray. And what I want to do is just open the floor. And, 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 and for those of you that you might have a fear of, of speaking out publicly, this might be a, a little bit difficult for you. But I, I want us just to take the opportunity to pray. And if you, if you need prayer specifically, then, then we'll, 
we'll, we'll take time at the end to, to, to pray specifically for each other. But I, I'm, I'm just going to start. And then, then we'll pray. And as long as you want to pray, we'll, we'll continue praying. But let's make this, these last few minutes a time of, of, of lifting up each other and, our, and whatever fears, whatever concerns that we might have, and lifting those to the Lord. Okay? Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for how you provide for us each and every day. Lord, we thank you for your, for your mercy, the fact that you never give up on us, and that you are there for us even whenever we stray and, and do our own things and go our own ways. Lord, we want to lift up our country. We want to lift up our world to you. That you might just take out this, this virus, the threat of this virus, and it being a, such a menace in, in various parts of the world. Protect those who are vulnerable and those who have, have been adversely affected. And cause your light to shine in the darkness.
Father, I give you thanks. Thank you for your protection and watching over each of us. And I ask as we go from here today that you would, that you would continue to protect us and provide for us and that you would, that you would help those who are in places that, um, that can make a difference in, in, this, in this fight to eradicate this virus, that they can, they can achieve success. And, Lord, that you would be with them and, and, uh, and make that possible. And we give you thanks now, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for being here today. If, you, if you'd like, for, uh, like to receive any additional prayer, well, I'll, I'll be here at the front. Um, and if you'd like to, uh, to join us for uh, Uniquely You this afternoon, um, we'll, we'll be meeting at 2 o'clock. And uh, I, I think it'll be a, um, an eye-opening experience. Just leave it like that. Well, thank you, and God bless you.